Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings like of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring and breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts that were before it. It had had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up from among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched, then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to the one of those who stood by and asked him the, the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, and devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, which appearance was greater than his fellows. 
I was watching. And the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Then he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. It shall be different from the first ones. He shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed. But I kept the matter in my heart. You may be seated. We have been considering the book of Daniel, and we now are entering into the second half of Daniel's writings. The first half all dealt with um, historical, if you would, um, issues, um, his dealing with the, the kings and such. And so, though we saw some prophecy, which we'll talk about in a moment in, in chapter 2, more it was really a testimonial of um, how God was working um, in his life um, and through the lives of his, his friends, um, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And being a witness and a testimony in and so as we're talking about in Sunday school, in the midst of persecution and sufferings, that they were actually being a light of his grace before, um, before the kings that were there. Today we transition then into the second half of Daniel, which is the prophetical portion. Okay? And so you've got 12 chapters. First six chapters are historical. The last six chapters are prophetical. And they kind of blend over one another because reality is that the prophetical portions are what? Historical, okay? And you're going to see that, okay? Because it's in this portion that we're going to see um, the importance of his writing. This is the portion that the liberals hate, okay? Testimonial is one thing, but the, the details in which God spoke to and through Daniel is just unheard of. Especially when we get to chapter 11 and we get to such finite details of the Grecian kingdom which didn't even exist at this point. It's just an amazing thing. Um, I want to start with the discussion, though, of the Qumran Caves, because um, it was in 1952, so the, 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 the liberals just would attack Daniel, that there's no way that this, had to, this could be written when it was written. This had to be written after the fact. This had to be written after Greece was already a kingdom, and that Daniel was just, um, or whoever Daniel was, because this is just, it really wasn't a guy named Daniel writing this. It was just somebody else, and, and they were just writing a history and making it look like it was prophecy, okay? But in 1952, in the Qumran Caves, um, Cave Number 4, specifically, that's the picture of the Qumran Cave Number 4 right there, um, 
there was manuscripts, fragments of manuscripts that were found of the book of Daniel. Not just of the book of Daniel, but of the prophetical portions from the book of Daniel. There are 11 caves, okay? And they have found um, manuscripts in each of those caves, okay? Many of them, they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay? So they're actually in the Qumran Caves. That's where they were found. It was a, a shepherd boy who was throwing rocks, and he threw one a rock up into a cave and heard a ksh, and the world was found all this information just by an errant rock being thrown by a little boy in the desert. Well, up there, there are all these manuscripts um, of Scripture that were written way prior to the time of Christ. Now, it doesn't prove in and of itself um, the, the, when the writings were written, but what we have of the Hebrew text, the Masoretic text, were not written until like 600 AD. And so there was always the, the claim that, well, these were just written after the fact. But what they found then were these writings then from 100 or so BC, 150 BC or whatever it is, much earlier, almost 1,000 years earlier, okay? They matched almost verbatim, word for word, with what was written in the Masoretic text. And so now all of a sudden the liberals had to start backpedaling because... Clearly, this stuff was written way back beforehand and was accepted as, as scripture. So, a lot of fun that was here, okay? And so, Daniel's writings, in the, in the intricacy of these writings, are, are very important then when it comes to the veracity of the Word of God, okay? Now, that shouldn't be a, a struggle for us as well at, at all. Anyway, I appreciate David last week going into the, the testimony of archaeology and that kind of stuff and how that plays out and going back to the fact of we just accept God's word for what it is, God's word. Because as we know from 2 Timothy chapter 3, or verse 16, right? All scripture is what? God breathed. It's given by inspiration, but literally the Greek word is that, neustos, okay? Theos is the Greek word for God. Neustos is, is word, uh, spirit or breath or wind, okay? It is God breathed. All scripture, the writings that we have, are God breathed. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, Peter gives us a little bit more information in 2 Peter chapter 1 when he tells us, verses 19 to 21, says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is what? Is any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So prophecy never was by private interpretation. It was God who was speaking it to men. But what's really cool, and this is verse 21, so down below in the purple is the literal translation. Okay, that's Bob's literal translation. Okay, so the BLT. Okay, it wasn't bacon, lettuce, and tomato. That's Bob's literal translation. Okay, so... Um, for not by the will of man came ever prophecy, but under the agency of the Holy Spirit were driven to speak holy men of God. I'm going to go there. Okay? You say, whoa, how's that? Because in Greek, what is the most important is always placed first in a sentence. We always do subject, verb, object. Not so in Greek. Okay? So they would place... What was the most important up first? So what was the most important part about this? It's not by what? 
It's not by the will of man. This isn't the will of Daniel that we're writing, that we're reading. Do you get it? God wants you to know this. Do you get it? Daniel may have been told us, telling us about a, a vision in a dream that he had by night. But God is the one who wants you to know this. And he gave it to Daniel so that he could what? Record it so that you could read it thousands of years later. Isn't that cool? And what we're going to find out later is Daniel, we're going to read about Daniel, not today, okay, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to read about Daniel reading the writings of Jeremiah. I love that. I got a prophet of God reading the words of a prophet of God, and he's praying about the interpretation of it. That's really kind of cool. Here I am thousands of years later, and I get to read about a prophet of God reading about the prophet of God praying about the interpretation, and I'm praying about the interpretation of the interpretation. Isn't that kind of cool? God never ceases to amaze me. His word never is done. Now, in that as well, there's two things that I want to state um, regarding prophecy as we get into it. First of all, I've stated this a couple times already. Prophecy is best understood when? After it happens, okay? We can sit here and we're going to debate and we can do whatever. This represents this and the rest represents this. But when God says it represents something, I got it. Make sense? Beyond that, it's just a bunch of people, what? Opinion. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, okay? Now, hopefully, when we, we translate and we interpret, we, we try to bring things based upon a historical context. We try to break, bring things into a scriptural context. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're told that we compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Does it make sense? So there's an important part of that. But the reality is, unless God thus saith the Lord, God says this is this, everything else at this point is going to be conjecture on our part. Okay? So I want to state that right up front. Okay? The second thing is that I believe in what's called progressive revelation. Okay? Um, I think it's just a no-brainer to me, but... But there's still a debate in theology, in the theological realms in this one. Progressive revelation is that God continues to reveal more throughout Scripture. Later revelation will agree with and expand upon that which has already been given. Okay, so um, when we, in 2009, when we did, we spent an entire year going through the Book of Revelation. Okay, but we took then two months, three months as a hiatus before we got into the prophetical portions of Revelation to go through and do biblical prophecy, beginning all the way in the feasts of Israel, because there's actually prophecy within the feasts as well. Okay, And so we began there and began to go then through biblical prophecy very quickly. One of the places we went, we stopped, was for Daniel for a couple of weeks. Okay, Because that which is written in the book of Revelation is based upon the foundation of that which is written elsewhere in Scripture. Does that make sense? Okay, so there's things that we need to understand about that. Okay, there's going to be certain things that coming directly from Daniel, we're not going to necessarily understand. But later revelation that was given is going to open up and reveal more details about some of these things that Daniel didn't have. That's kind of cool. Except for as we're going to see, a lot of that stuff still is, it just gives us more information to what? Say again? To wonder about. Yeah. Wow. And so now we're just like, whoa, this is really kind of cool, okay? So this is really kind of neat stuff for me, okay, as we go through. Now, what I want to, takeaways that I want to draw from all this as we go through these prophecies is, first of all, that God is what? He's sovereign. He's over all the affairs of man, and history is actually his story, okay? He has a plan, 
And so as we talked about um, from um, men's breakfast yesterday, right? And that is that we have this hope, which was given to us when? From before time perpetual. Go figure that one out. Okay, that makes your brain spin a little bit, right? And that before God ever created the foundations of the earth, and when he made matter and put it into space, that's when time began. Time, space, matter. Time perpetual backwards. Got it? Before God ever did that, he already determined that Christ would come as an irrevocable offering for our sins. The Olah. He didn't come up with the plan as he was writing the book of Leviticus. I'm going through the book of Leviticus right now. My, my quiet time, it's powerful. Going through all the different offerings and sacrifices and Jesus being the fulfillment of all these things. is so incredible. And to realize that before he ever made the heavens and the earth, he planned all this. And that's why he's given all these different sacrifices and offerings to give us just a little bit of a picture of what he's done for us and what he's planned before time perpetual. And he's just given us a little bitty piece of this stuff. Anyways, history then is his story. We just get to watch it play out. Tomorrow's already happened. Does that make you feel kind of nervous? Tomorrow's already happened. You just haven't experienced it yet. But if it makes you make me feel even more queasy, the things you decide to do today affect tomorrow. That ought to boggle your brain a little bit. Tomorrow's already happened, but the things I decide today affects tomorrow. But God already knew. Say again. I've already decided them. Ooh, that really boggles your brain, doesn't it? And you can't say, well, I'm going to change my mind on that because God knew you changed your mind. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that fun stuff? So when we get into all this prophecy and all this kind of stuff and we're reading about things that are going to occur in the future, they already have occurred. God knows what's going to happen because it's already happened. Yeah, let that sink in for just a little bit. So I don't have to worry about anything. Do you get it? It gets rid of all anxiety. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because God's already got it covered. In all things worked what? Together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. What can separate me from the love of Christ? Answer me. Nothing. Nothing. Go read Romans 8. Ponder it. Meditate upon it. Rejoice in it. Prophecy to me is exciting sometimes. Sometimes it's bewildering. I'm going to be like Daniel at the end of this thing. I'm going to be perplexed, okay? And, and, and I still kind of go spin. I want to know what? I want to know everything. I want to know the details. I want to know. Who is it really, you know? When is it going to happen? Is it going to happen this year, today, tomorrow? Is it going to happen in 2030? When is this thing going to happen? I want to know the day and the hour. Yeah. No man knows the day or the hour. But we want to, don't we? Because I want to know how much can I do without getting and get away with it. Because I still got seven years to wait. Don't play the game. God is sovereign. History is his story. Now, this goes all the way back as we start. It's going to go back to Daniel chapter 2. Okay? Now, again, when we read about Daniel, okay, sometimes when we read things, we kind of read about people like superheroes. These are biblical superheroes. We're like we're reading a Marvel comic book or whatever, okay? And so we read about Daniel. But Daniel's a real guy. And he's living a real life, okay? And so I want you to go back to Daniel chapter 2. Not, you, not in your Bible. We'll go, but I want you, in your brain, I want you to go back there, Daniel chapter 2, right? He's new in the kingdom, right? I mean, they were, they were junior magi. They were still potentially in their, their, their years of training when Nebuchadnezzar has his what? His dream. And he brings in all the other magi and sorcerers 
everything, and they can't do it, right? And so he says, I want you to give me the dream and the interpretation, not just the interpretation. I want you to give me the dream and the interpretation. Otherwise, you're what? You're dead meat. You're done. Killed, right? And all of a sudden, they couldn't do it, so he starts killing them. And so Ariok shows up at, at Daniel's door, right, to do what? To kill him. And Daniel says, hey, dude, what's going on? What's, what's happening here? Why is, why is the king so in such a rage here? So Ariok explains the whole situation. And he says, can I see the king? Ariok finds, gives him grace and says, sure. He goes before the king and says, ask for, for a reprieve. You know, we, we weren't privy to this. You didn't call us in. So, but our God can do this. He can do the un, un, what, what no other gods can do, right? And so... Nebuchadnezzar gives him the chance, I think probably only 24 hours. And so he goes home, he tells Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah, and they pray together about this. And that night, God grants Daniel the, the privilege. He could have, it, we, could, we could be talking about the book of Azariah right now. We could talk, be talking about the book of Mishael. We could be talking about the book of Hananiah. Do you get it? It was Daniel that God privileged to be able to have the dream. Okay? And the interpretation. Okay? There's nothing special about Daniel. I want you to understand that. He's a guy serving God. It's something special about his God, okay? Who's able to, as we're told by Nebuchadnezzar, to reveal dreams, okay? And so, so Daniel goes in, and he gives him the dream, okay? And it's a dream of this statue, this, uh, what Nebuchadnezzar then makes into an idol for, for everybody to worship, and we, we can debate that one. It doesn't matter. But he has this statue, okay? And, it's, and he's given the interpretation by Daniel. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I like to put myself in this position. I don't think Daniel did a core dump. I don't think Daniel did a core dump. You say, what do you mean by that? I don't think he forgot it all. He went and he did interpretation. He was promoted and everything else was out of his brain. He didn't think about it. He never thought about that dream ever again. Really? Would, would you? Would you ever be thinking about that dream? Would you be pondering a little bit more about, but I wonder about, and I wonder about, I think he did. I think the entire time. And I think that he's watching what's going on in Nebuchadnezzar. Because Nebuchadnezzar's who? He's a head of gold. And after him is going to come what? Another kingdom with two arms. I don't know what that means, though, at this point. Because God didn't give me that interpretation in, in Daniel chapter 2. And again, I'm reading it from Dan, our perspective, right? But I'm Daniel, right? God didn't give me that stuff. He just told me there was going to be what? Four kingdoms, and after you's going to rise this one, and after that's going to rise another one, after that's going to rise this one, and then there's going to be these these um, these toes, these feet and toes, going to be made of iron and clay mixture, and then the stone's going to come from made from no place, and it's going to destroy the whole thing, and then there's another the kingdom's going to raise up, and man, I just wish I understood what it all meant. I'm reading into this. It doesn't tell me this. All I'm told at the beginning of Daniel chapter seven that in the first year of Belshazzar, the first year of Belshazzar. Now, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, okay, this is already then, we're through Amal Merduk, okay, and then Nebuchadnezzar becomes the, so Nebuchadnezzar is Belshazzar's father, okay, Nebuchadnezzar becomes king, but he causes some problems, right, and so he takes off, and he leaves the co-regency to his son Belshazzar, okay? So we're in the first year, which means we've already gone through the entirety of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. So, I don't know, but I'm Daniel, and I'm, I'm wondering what? Is this it? Is the next king, kingdom coming? When's this going to play out? This guy is a real idiot that's reigning over us right now. 
Dad took, dad took the troops, remember, the, the, the army of Akkad. He takes them to the south and he leaves us exposed. Medo-Persia is out there and they're building a channel for the river. Again, it's taken a long time. I think Daniel's probably a little bit wiser and he understands this all didn't take by surprise, right? And so he, he declares all this to Belshazzar at the feast, right? So, so all this is going on, okay? And so the first year of Belshazzar, he has this vision. He has a dream. And it's interesting that, again, this vision, this dream, parallels Nebuchadnezzar's. As there were the four kingdoms and then a fifth, so we have the four beasts. But in within the fourth beast, we're actually going to see the fifth one as well because of the ten horns that are there. Those are the ten toes. Okay? And then we're going to see the Ancient of Day come who was the one who caused the, the stone. And, and then the Son of Man comes in the, the clouds. He is the, the rock. Does it make sense? So this now is going to give us further information. That's why I said back when we went through Daniel chapter 2, I'm really not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we're going to be spending time on this when we get to the prophetical portion. And you know what? God's going to give us even greater details of this as we get into 9 to, 9 to 12, specifically 11, 10 and 11. You're going to get great details regarding the Grecian kingdom. That is going to blow your socks off if you haven't... Go- looked at this stuff already okay and so so here we are we have this vision okay and so the first thing we're going to look at then is um the the four kingdoms that i i had and yeah so there's a relationship between that then this vision occurred okay, okay make sure did all that oh and there i just jumped through everything okay so the first one though is the lion right the lion comes and, and we see first of all its identity is babylon okay now we know that we talked about that from daniel chapter two okay um, and the reason we know that is because you, O Nebuchadnezzar, are the, the head of gold, okay? But we also know it from the imagery, okay? It was a lion, and the lion is the what? The king of the jungle, of all the animals, okay? And so you, O king, are a king of kings, okay? But then know what it says. This lion also had, had wings of a what? Of an eagle, Okay, and while I watched, what happened to those wings of the eagle? They were plucked, and then what happened? Well, he was raised up to stand, and then he was given a heart of man, right? And so back in Daniel chapter 4, when Neb- this is all actually was already fulfilled, okay, in Nebuchadnezzar, because Nebuchadnezzar was boastful and proud, and God said, look, you better not do that, or you're going to become an animal. You have lycanthropy for seven years, right? And so he didn't do it. He said, look at this Babylon which I have made, and in that moment, he was made into a beast, right? And at the end of it, beginning of verse 33 of Daniel 4, says, that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like an oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like an eagle's. In his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever and ever. And so we saw this being played out where uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who was this lion, this king of kings, okay, um, was his. His feathers were plucked, if you would. He was raised up because God didn't leave him as an animal. But what's kind of fun for me, okay, and this is, again, the intimations. You kind of wonder about what happens with Nebuchadnezzar. But he's given a heart of man. I, I, I mean, you know, am I going to get to heaven? I'm going to meet Nebuchadnezzar. You know, I mean, again, 
what do you need to know? What do you need to believe in order to truly be saved? Okay? And you got to know who the true God is and that he has a plan and that you're trusting in that plan. I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar all knew. I don't know what all he gave credence to. But I know that in the end, okay, um, I thought it good to declare the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. Yes, that's what he believed. That was his testimony. I can't wait to get there, find out whether he's there or not. How many of you were singing that with me? Did you know it? That's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, just a little bit. Okay. Next week, we're going to do it all together without words on the screen. You got it. Okay, here we go. Okay, so, so anyways, so cool guy. So cool, cool situation. So we have the lion. Secondly, I'm, I'm blocked up, Mark. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So secondly, we have the bear um, that comes. And so why a bear? Okay. Well, first of all, we know it's Medo-Persia. But why a bear? Okay. Bears were strong. Uh, outside of the lion, the, a bear at that time was considered to be the, the strongest thing. And so think of Elisha. Okay. When Elisha was being mocked um, by, the, by the kids, what did, he, what did he curse them with? A bear. Yeah, a bear came out and mauled. I can't remember how many kids there were. Does anybody remember how many kids there was? A couple dozen. 20-something, yeah. And so, anyways, so this bear, okay, so, so it comes out, and it's, it's strong, okay? Now, we know it's Medo-Persia, because Medo-Persia is the one, again, from Daniel chapter 2, that comes afterwards. And as it has two arms, silver, okay, two, two silver arms, there are two parts of the kingdom. There was Media and Persia. Um, David did a great job last week disc- talking about um, Darius and Cyprus and uh, Cyprus, um, Cyrus, thank you, and, and how those come together, okay? But we see that play out in this as well, that this is a lopsided um, bear, okay? And what's fun is that the word here for side isn't really the word for side, okay? It's really the word um, regarding an overseer or administrator. You guys can check me out on that, okay? And so the idea is that one of the administrators, one of the, the, the overseers of this kingdom is going to be higher than the other. And that's exactly how it plays out. Originally, it was media, okay? Media was the, the, the primary kingdom, but Persia wanted to become the, the one that's most powerful. In its mouth were three ribs, okay? Now, there's some debate over what the three ribs are, but probably, more than likely, that they are representative because it's told then to go out and devour, right? To eat much flesh. That they're probably the three kingdoms um, that, that Medo-Persia uh, conquered. There was Babylon, Egypt, and Lydia. And Lydia is up in the um, um, Turkey area and then extended a little bit into the Ionia area, which is important, um, not necessarily for this moment, but we'll talk about that. But uh, Persia extends into Greece, what we know as Greece, into Ionia, okay? They, they, they kind of go to Lydia and they, 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 they settle. They have their kingdom there. But from Lydia, they're kind of reaching out and, and they're, they're beating up on the Ionia um, city-states, okay? They're individuals, okay? And a guy named Philip gets, up, gets perturbed by that, okay? And so Philip winds up coagulating, um, coalescing the city-states of Ionia, okay, into a, 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 a nation, okay, which we refer to as Greece. And his son, whose name was Alexander, 
who you know as Alexander the Great, has a seething hatred for the Persians and wants nothing but to destroy them in their kingdom. And so we move in then to this third one, this leopard with four heads and the wings, who was Greece, Ionia, from the, the text here, okay? Leopard with wings because he moved so fast. He wasn't like the others, boom, 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 boom. But he flew, 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 flew through the world. He was a young man in his young 20s, and he's flying through. The only place he was ever had a burp was near Tyre. That's not for our discussion right now. Talk to me later about that. It's kind of fun stuff. Anyways, he has this burp at Tyre, okay? And he fulfills all these other prophecies about Tyre at that moment because that's when he, he, he goes out and he makes the, the, the causeway going out into the island that they fled to. Anyways, it's just fun stuff, okay? God's word has so much detail in it regarding prophecy that was fulfilled, okay? Specifically, even by Alexander. It's amazing stuff. That was the only place it was, he was burped at, at that point. He goes down, takes out Egypt, and he comes back, and he just totally wipes out the rest. He winds up dying over near India, okay? And when he dies, his, his nation, his kingdom, was divided into four, four heads, okay? And so the primary two of those wind up being the Seleucids, in the Ptolemies, who we'll talk about when we get to the other, those further on chapters, okay? But you have Cassandra and, uh, Cassandria and Lysander as well, okay? But those were like non-players, okay? So um, we'll talk about that in, in weeks to come, okay? So anyways, so we have this then third kingdom that comes, and then we have this fourth one. It's referred to as a terrible beast, okay? Uh, its identity, right off the bat, Rome and beyond. Now, that comes right from the text. Do you read it there? Do you read it there? Thank you. No. Wake up. Okay, no glassy eyes here, okay? Um, no, it's not there. So us saying it's Rome is a what? It's a conjecture, okay? Now, it's based upon the fact, again, that we, hindsight being twenty twenty, right? So we can see the kingdoms, the empires that come, the dynasties that come through that. After Babylon, there was Medo-Persia. After Medo-Persia, there was Greece. And then what we're going to see when we talk about the Seleucids and Ptolemies, in the end of it, the, Rome is, is going down into Egypt. Okay? They're coming from the coast of the coastal people. They're coming over, and they're coming down into Egypt, and they take the side of the Ptolemies. And that's what tips the scales against the Ptolemies and the Seleucids, who are the, the heads coming from the... Um, from Greece, right? So the Ptolemies want to have taken over, but really behind it, the power of the Ptolemies winning is Rome. And so Rome, that's when we get to um, Cle- uh, Antony and Cleopatra, okay? That's how it plays out. Cleopatra is actually not an Egyptian. She's actually a Ptolemy. She's a Greek. She's one of the Ptolemies, okay? And so Antony is a Roman, okay? So you got a Roman and a, and a Greek down in Egypt. Egypt's like nothing. Do you get it? Okay? And so... So that's when Rome comes and Rome begins to take over the, the stage, okay? And so we say Rome and beyond because we know from Daniel chapter 2, Rome was the iron legs, right? And there was two legs because you have the, the Western civilization and you have the Eastern part of it, the Eastern kingdom. I don't have time to get into all that as well. A lot of fun stuff, okay? That's there in prophecy. But coming from that, then there was going to be 10 toes, okay? Who are going to be an iron and a clay mixture, so it was part of Rome, but yet it was distinct from Rome. That's why I call this Rome and beyond, okay? Because those ten horns are the ten toes, 
okay? And coming up from the, the horns, one is going to replace three, which we'll talk about in just a moment, okay? And so we have that playing out, okay? So we have Rome, and we have the imagery. The iron teeth, which we saw that it's just tearing everything up, just crushing everything, just as we were told in, in chapter 2, how it was going to come, it was going to crush everything, okay? It's different from all the others. Now, we're told right off the bat, Daniel says that each of these beasts are different from one another. But when it gets to the this fourth one, it says it's really different. He doesn't even know how to describe it. Note he says this is a lion, this is a bear, this is a leopard. I don't even know how to describe this thing. So it's fun when you go out and you look for imagery on this stuff, right? Because... People have to come up with their interpretations of how this thing is different. Some people try to make it a combination of all, all of them. But again, it's not a combination of all of them. It's different than all of them. Make sense? Okay, so, so you know, whatever. I chose this one because I thought it was pretty cool looking. And, um, it, <laughs> anyways, take it for whatever it's worth, okay? It's, just, it's bronze and iron and it's just crushing everything, you know? And so it has ten horns. Well, what do we know about ten horns? The ten horns go back to the ten toes. And if you go now to the book of Revelation, okay, so turn with me now, because we don't want to deal with this part real quick, okay? Go to Revelation, um, keep your finger there in Daniel, I'm going to try to do that too. Go to Revelation chapter 12. We're not going to spend time going over the book of Revelation, I just want you to see how again, um, progressive revelation, we're given more information as we go about this this ultimate kingdom, okay? Um, And it's going to color, honestly, this is straight up this is all going to color my interpretation of the rest of this. Because again, I'm comparing spiritual things with spiritual things and I'm con- progressive revelation. I'm taking further revelation and I'm adding it on top of like a, um, we talk about in Sunday school an overlay. I'm overlaying this on top of then the prophecy of Daniel. So Daniel, uh, Daniel, sorry, revelation chapter 12, um, begin at verse one for the, um, Context is now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and in her head, a garland of 12 stars. And then being with a child, she cried out in labor and pain to give birth And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. So we have this dragon who has seven heads and what? Ten horns. Okay, let's go to chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Interesting that these are the four beasts in Daniel that were rising up where? out of the sea as well. I saw this beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Sounds like the same beast that we talked about in, in chapter 12 there, right? And on his ten horns, and on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. Now you understand where they get the what? The kind of the picture of bringing it all together, okay? The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. That's a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Does this sound like Daniel chapter 7 so far? 
Yeah, we just read it, didn't we? Amazing, isn't it? Okay, and to overcome them, an authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. So note that, okay, those whose names have not been written where? In the book of life of the Lamb slain, okay? Turn now to chapter 17, Revelation 17. Beginning of verse 1. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bulls, that's the seven bulls of God's wrath, came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Hmm. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is in the other has not yet come and when it or he comes he must continue a short an oligos a short time i wish i had time to go into it but you can listen to go back to 2009 and listen to the message on this portion the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven so you have seven empires five that were the one that is it's simple John's writing, the one that is, is who? Rome. That's pretty simple. Okay. Who are the five that were? Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. After Rome, there would be a seventh. And when it comes, it's only going to be around for a short period of time. I'll let you think about that. I talked about that back in 2009. But after the seventh... Is going to come an eighth. And he's going to be one of the seven. He's going to be one of the seven. Kind of fun, isn't it? Anyways, so we have this information. Now it makes you even more pondering, doesn't it? It's like, wow, this is really like this cool stuff. Um, so verse 12, Then the ten horns which you saw were ten kings who, who received no kingdom yet, but they received authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. And so he goes on. But you get what I'm saying, okay? So additional information is clearly given to us regarding who? The ten horns, okay? So from here, we want to move on now to this pompous horn that comes up from within the three, supplants, supplants three of them, okay? So... So you got 10, take away 3, add 1, now you got what? 8, okay? So you got, you got this one, and he supplants three of them, okay? And I'm not going to tell you 
who that is and what the three are and that kind of stuff. There's been a lot of debate on that, okay? But what do we know? Okay, let's talk about what we do know. He's not Antiochus IV, who's Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus the Great was Antiochus III. Again, we'll talk about this when we get into the future ch- chapters, because he talks, a, there's an awful lot about Antiochus Epiphanes um, that, that's written pro- prophetically, okay? But why do I know, why do I know that this cannot be this pompous horn, which you're going to find out that Antiochus Epiphanes was a pretty pompous horn, okay? But why this guy is, this pompous horn is not him. Why isn't it? No. Think back to Daniel. Think back to this vision that we're talking about right now. Why can't this pompous horn be Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a, a Greek Seleucid king? Because we're in the fourth beast, not the third. Duh. You'd be surprised how many people want to make this into Antiochus Epiphanes because they don't want it to be, they don't want to believe in future, in eschatology where Jesus is coming back and they have to redefine Redefine prophecy. Redefine how things are played out. So they want to make this... But it's not. It can't be. This, this can't be. This is a future pompous windbag. Okay? Who's going to come, which we saw, Revelation 13, 1-9, who this individual is going to come, the beast is going to come, right? And he's going to speak all kind of pompous words. That's from the book of Revelation. Well, John's writing. John's not writing history about Greece. He's writing about something future. Now, there are people then who want to d- discount a future coming of Jesus, and they want to, the Reformed, okay, the, the Amillennialists, okay, and they want to say that Jesus came in the, in the clouds of the hoofbeats of the Roman army. Really? Show me that from Scripture. I mean, he's coming in the clouds of heaven. He's coming in the clouds of heaven. Did you read that with me, Daniel 7? Okay, that's pretty clear. Clouds of heaven, not clouds of horses. But there are those who want to discount the book of Revelation. They don't want to have a millennial reign of Christ. And they want to make that, that Israel's gone, and so they needed to redefine how, how does that play out. So then now they redefine all that as, as this pompous uh, horn then has to be one of the Roman Caesars. But that's not what I read in the book of Revelation. It's still to come. And it's going to happen as we see here in Daniel, the times, times, and half a time, which hopefully we'll get to, okay? But, oh man, no way, we're not going to get there. I think that this message is going to be split into two parts. Um, yeah, go figure. <laughs> this is one of these moments you look at the clock and you go, um, there's like no way. So anyways, um, yeah, praise the Lord. So, <laughs> Sorry. I'm blown away right now. This is fun stuff for me. Does it make sense? I mean, this is, there's so much here. So you got this pompous windbag, right? That's, that's going to be crying out, okay? It's not one of the Caesars. It's going to be in the future. This is the book of Revelation. It's coming in the future, okay? And it's going to be in the times, times, half a time. We'll get there when we get to, to Daniel chapter 9, and we talk about the 70 weeks that Daniel, that Daniel knows about, okay? And it's the final week, the final sevens, okay? And it's the latter half of the final seven. Read the book of Revelation, okay? The, 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 the final week of Daniel's vision begins in Revelation chapter 11, okay? The first half, the first three and a half years is in Revelation 11 by itself. That's when the two uh, uh, 
witnesses are on the earth, okay? And after they're, they're killed and they're laid out for three and a half days and then they're resurrected in front of everybody, then after that, the final three and a half years, the time, times, and half a time occurs. And it's during that time, times, and half a time that we read about in Revelation 13, Revelation 12, Revelation 13, Revelation 17. It all happens in that last times, times, and half a times, okay? Time is one, times two, so one plus two is three, half a time, three, three and a half years. Okay? It's all playing out at that point. It's not happening right now. We haven't even got to the, the temples, not in Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 11, it's going to happen. Okay? There's going to be a temple. God's word is true. Okay? So I'm not worrying about whether the pompous windbag is on the earth right now. Does it make sense? There could be one. Satan could be trying to do it, but it's not going to happen apart from the plan of God, you get it? God's got his timetable. I joked about the fact that, remember, I want to know the time and the what. I want to know the day and the hour. I don't know. I'm never going to have the day and the hour. If I try to give you a day and an hour, I'm going to be wrong. Somewhere along the line, someone might get it right. But it's not because they know. It's because they're what? They're guessing. You get it? No man knows. Jesus said, but my father only. So Satan is always trying to destroy the plan of God. Always trying to destroy the plan of God. Was Hitler an antichrist? Yes. Yes. Emphatically, yes, he was. Was he the antichrist? No. How do I know? It didn't happen that way. But was Satan trying to kill the Jews? Was he trying to destroy the plan of God? And you know, all he did was bring about the plan of God. Because it was by his trying to annihilate the Jews that caused the Jews to travel where? back to the land they came back into the land just as god prophesied it would occur in hosea chapter 6 verse 2 and 3 says after two years i will revive my people and the third day i will restore them that's not even in the sermon notes sorry that was free anyways this is fun stuff god's got a plan mark can i get you to go to the back and help me out at this point we're going to scoop all the way to the end we get the rest of this for next week. This is fun stuff. It may have in the next three weeks. Who knows? All right, so take me all the way to have questions. So here's my questions. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. How does the consideration of future events affect you? How does it affect you? Does it give you the willies? Are you trusting in the sovereignty of God? There's a lot of people. I remember the first time when... when uh, it was with Greg and Connie. Some of you know the, the Moffats. The very first Bible study I did when I was, we were first believers, I said I, but we, did was with Greg and Connie. It was doing Chuck Swindoll's uh, Bible study on the book of Revelation. And there was another young couple that was there. Okay? None of you will know them. That was from way back. I don't, you guys won't even know them. Okay? And so, way, way back. And they went off the deep end, though, as we studied. And, 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 and like not living for today because they were going to sell everything because what? Because Jesus is coming back. Y2K happened. There were people who sold everything because they really firmly believed that Jesus was coming. Y2K. Why? 2K. You know, I, I just, it's not so stuff. Okay. And there was a, a, a church locally. Okay. I can tell you where it was at on old, 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 old Wheeler Road. What's the one that your folks are living off of now? Is it Old Bel Air or Old, old South Old Bel Air. There's a little church there that as you go past Anthony's uh, storage, there's a there's a there's a church building there. Don't worry about it. They're, they're not there. The one I'm talking about is not there anymore. They all moved to Montana or Wyoming or something like that because it was the end times. 
How does studying this stuff affect you? Are you trusting in the sovereignty of God? God is in control. I don't have to worry. I don't have to flee. I don't have to run. Do you get it? God's in control. He's watching over me. Do you have a desire to know the word of God more fully? What are you doing to make it happen? So at this point, we got into this point, and, and ma'am, I'm, I'm leaving you with more question marks than, than I gave you information. I don't even know how many blanks we filled in today. Okay. Okay. And, and so, how many? None. Oh. Anyways, so, so, so the reality is this is fun stuff. I hope, if nothing else, you're walking away with, Pastor Rod loves this stuff, and maybe I ought to love it too. There's a lot in God's word. You just got to dig in and go for it. Okay? I'm diving in. I'm diving in. I mean, it's just how it plays out, right? Are you willing to accept the fact that there will be things, though, that God has chosen not to reveal to us? We're going to talk about that next week when we get to Daniel and his perplexity in the end of this. Because Daniel's not going to be given all the info. Daniel should have all the information, right? Because he's Daniel. Well, Daniel walks away and he doesn't have it all. And he's still what? Wandering and perplexed and everything. It's okay. You know what? It's really okay. This is why I talked to the Mormon boys last Sunday. It was a great welcome back from my vacation. I was so excited. They're back. They're back knocking on doors. And they stopped in my house. I had a great opportunity to, to pray for Max. Pray for Max. Pray for Grady as well. But Max was so open. So open. Pray for Max. I know you don't know him. I'm picturing him. I can tell you later what he reminded me of when I, when I saw him. But anyways, pray for Max. Very open. He was just totally dumbfounded that there's actually truth in God's word. So I'm praying for Max. Every day I'm praying for Max. I'm praying for Max to come to know Christ. I may never meet him on this, on this earth, but I pray that one day when I get to heaven, Max will be there. And so that he's accepted the truth about who Yahweh is. Oh, why did I share that? Because what they always want to do is say, who is Jesus talking to? You know what? I can't explain the Trinity. I can't explain it. I can't, I can't define the, the entirety of the Godhead. But that's okay, because I'm not God. I just have to accept what he's revealed. That's why I tell them. I asked him, I said, okay, just do this for me. You know I love to do this, right? Do this for me. And so I said, can you t- explain to me everything that's going on while you're doing this? Why you're able to do this? And so Max, so Grady wasn't able to do it, but he pointed to Max. Max is more of a, a medical student kind of guy. And so Max was able to start going into some of the things. I said, keep going. Keep going. I said, but now go into the deeper parts about how your, your, your skeletal and your muscles are moving. And he said, I can't do that. I said, exactly. You don't know exactly how that happens. It's pretty simple, though. You just do it and you just think about it. But you still haven't even talked to me about your audio, the, the, uh, the, 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 how you're hearing what I'm talking about and how that went into your brain and how you did started doing because you saw visually what i was doing as well you're only talking about the mechanisms i'm talking about everything else is going into how that process go, went on this is an amazing thing i said but if you can't explain that to me how can you explain what god is to me and you're gonna you're gonna put god on trial and say well, who's jesus talking to i don't know but i can tell you jesus said unless you believe i am i am you're gonna die in your sins and that's what i know that Yahweh said he's gonna come and he's gonna dwell on this earth and he did Take it to the bank. At times, saints of the Most High will be asked to glorify him through sufferings and persecution. We'll talk about this more next week. What are you going to do to strengthen your faith? So I ask you that to think about this for the next week. Okay? There's going to be times when God's going to ask you to go through sufferings and persecutions. Some of you may be going through them right now. Okay? Low level. May not be off with your head type things. 
But we know missionaries around the world who are in situations like that, where they know people like that. What are you doing to prepare yourself for this moment? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you are the Ancient of Days, that you are the God of gods, the King of kings. There is no one but you. You are in charge of all history. It's just your, it's your story. And, and Lord, that you have given us the privilege to have your word in our hands that we might read it. Lord, where you have revealed things that are going to happen in the future and things that have already happened that you revealed before they happened and they already have happened, it should just strengthen our faith to know that you are in control and nothing's taken you by surprise. Lord, help us to magnify you. Help us to be ready to give an answer to, to everyone who asks us the reason for the hope that's within us that we might magnify you and glorify you. And we see, see many people come to know you as their Savior, Lord, that your kingdom would be expanded and glorified on this earth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.